0: Slice audio. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune in to your health with Monument Health. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me today is Dr. Nicholas Chesneka. Dr. Nice uh, to have you on the show. I got your name right, yeah, right? Chysznicka. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> where does that uh, Where does that come from? Do you know Have You ever well, looked into it? Po- the... It's Polish. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, of course. That's,
1: that's my heritage. Now it uh, goes back, you know, many generations since somebody actually lived in Poland. I don't speak Polish, but um, <laughs> it sure is a confusing name. And yeah. I don't I don't blame anybody for looking at it and saying,
0: how, I don't know how to start. How with does that, that work? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have a nickname that you go with at all?
1: Well, you know, uh, it, people call me Doctor Nick. If that's easy. There we go. Um,
0: okay. I, Works for me. <laughs> All if, right, if perfect. It's easy for you, it works for me. Uh now uh you were a uh, in general surgery in Spearfish, South that's Dakota right. with Monument Health. Yep. How did how did this journey begin for you, Doctor? I yeah. mean what where did the where did the passion for this come yeah. from? Yeah. You know,
1: that's a long story, so here 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 goes I'm ready. <laughs> you know, I, I actually went to to college for finance. I I, I had a degree in business, totally not really uh, down a path of medicine. Um, you know, college can be that for some people, right? You're kind of figuring out what you're doing. Yeah. Let m- more of that and less flying as straight as an arrow. And that was my story. So I graduated from college, and I, though I had a degree in finance, I, I had a real strong interest in the outdoors. I, I actually was pretty obsessed with rock climbing and backpacking, and I ended up working uh, for some companies that led te- uh, teenagers um, who were, you know, battling different troubles of whether it was emotional issues or drug issues, things like that. Uh, And while they were out in the wilderness um, and I was facilitating their safety by being there with them, they were also getting therapy with um, psychologists, right? And so in that experience, uh, you know, here I am, a college graduate, a young adult. I'm watching these trained professionals really impact the lives of, of these kids. And I thought to myself, hey, I want to have some expert knowledge. I want to. I want to do something that really can impact somebody else's life in a positive way. And through some self-assessment, I was like, "Well, I don't think I'm going to make a very good psychologist." But I loved first aid. I loved, um, you know, hands-on things. And so I I just caught this bug where I was like, "I I think I want to be a doctor." And you know, then from there pursued getting into medical school. Had to go back and take some classes because I didn't have all the science prerequisites and things like that. But ultimately. You know, got into medical school, and then pretty soon after getting into medical school, you kind of hit this wall where you say, "Am I going to be a doctor that does things procedures, or am I going to be a doctor that you know is more cerebral right you're you're thinking you're making um, diagnoses and applying these therapies, but you're not necessarily doing that through procedures and I was really drawn to more of the procedural side because I just love the hands on side of of medicine and and that's how I ended up looking at general surgery. General surgery is kind of this foundational part of the procedural side of medicine where we we do a lot of different things throughout the whole body, whether that's what people typically think of, you know, the abdomen. Right. Your... your your intestines, gallbladder, things like that. But then there's a whole another side of it, right? There's the idea of vascular surgery, breast surgery, um, you know, endocrine thir- surgery, things like your thyroid, um, trauma surgery, um, burn surgery. So there's there's all these different avenues, all rooted in the kind of the use of procedures to to aid in, in people's care. So,
0: so general surgery can be all of those things you just explained. Absolutely, that's yep. that's what. yep. When people, I think, when they think general surgery, I, I guess that's, right. the, the word to me, it, it seems, because yeah. I mean, you're, you're still focused on certain things, a- yeah, but absolutely. boy, it means, that's a broad right. definition.
1: And, and so I think that's, that's one of the unfortunate things about how we've named our profession, <laughs> is it, it implies something maybe minimizing sure. versus right. kind of showing the scope of of what general surgery is and you're absolutely right a lot of times people will will take their general surgery uh, foundation which is a 5 year residency training and then they may focus even more specifically and say well, I'm going to I'm going to really do only you know what we call hepatobiliary right I'm going to do liver and pancreas surgery okay. or I'm I'm only going to do thyroid surgery I'm only going to do breast surgery and there are there are parts of um, the healthcare delivery system that that works well in right if you were to be in a major hospital in chicago or new york or la things are very very kind of sectioned off where um, this specialist does this that specialist does that and there's very little overlap
0: i see uh, so you're a uh, you're uh you're from illinois that's where, correct? I, that's kinda, where kinda, I was born kind of yeah. north of chicago yep big city area big city vibes now you're in Spearfish, South Dakota. Yeah how, how did how, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, it's uh,
1: I I love I love the path that I have has have, have followed. You know, when I left medical school, which was in Chicago, um, I was drawn to a residency in La Crosse, Wisconsin. My parents actually had kind of bought a small cabin up in Wisconsin, and this was near La Crosse. And believe it or not, my dad, who's not a physician, not not in any way involved in healthcare, said, "Hey, there's this." Good surgery residency in La Crosse, Wisconsin. You should look at it. And it got me looking at it. And I thought, wow, this actually does it. What they were known for, it's called the Gunderson Health System. Um, they're known for preparing surgeons to maybe practice in a little bit more broad context, what we call generically rural surgery. Um, but what that really means is, okay, you're going to be maybe someone in a smaller town, and you are going to do some, you know, breast surgery and some um Colonoscopies and sure. some hernia repairs and some, um, you know, m- minor skin cancer work. And so, um, as we all know, when you live in a rural environment, y- you just can't get up and run to, you know, New York, right? <laughs> uh, tomorrow, if you need that. So there's this there's this small, kind of, application of broad med- medical care that works very well in a rural environment. Well, and that
0: has to be appealing to you because you say yeah. you, you wanted to be hands-on. Right. And so now you're getting to try a little right. bit of everything. Absolutely. Right? Yeah.
1: Well, and, and I think that, that there's that fine balance and kind of let's, we're making a distinction that, okay, hey, we do a lot of different things and we do them well, we also need to know our, our limits. Right? right. That's This is why when you come to a smaller town and, you know, if you were to have a, a really advanced esophageal cancer or an advanced pancreatic cancer. Unfortunately, it's just not going to be able to be taken care of in in a small town. That's not an area of expertise that I have or my partners have. And and the reality is, and what we've seen in research is, hey, you you want somebody that does this all the time taking care of you. You don't want the guy who's taking a crack at it once or twice a year, right? right? Um, And so uh, it's it's just, again, it's that balance of, okay, we're going to do a broad practice. We're going to do what we do well. We're going to know our limits um, and know when we need to kind of – you know, push things further up the uh, the ladder here sure. in terms of uh, the spectrum of care. Um, but yeah, it's a wonderful opportunity to practice broadly to see lots of different parts of uh, your community, whether that's the age, the different age mm-hmm. brackets. Right, you're dealing with middle-aged men who need a. Vasectomy, you're dealing
0: with well you know, and you're in a college town too yeah. so you've got that whole that you run that whole gamut yeah. of yeah. people that retire to spearfish that go yep. to college at spearfish yep. that just live and work in spearfish yep. so of all of these of all of these uh, procedures that you do, do you, it's weird to ask a doctor yeah. do you have a favorite surgery that you like to perform yeah. <laughs> yeah you
1: know i think that's it's a great question i think you know my favorite surgery and i mean this sincerely is the surgery that helps somebody Right? Okay, yeah, and that I mean, makes not, sense, not, yeah, I hear that, I, I'm not answering your question directly, but what I mean by that is, um, we all wanna make a positive right. difference. And so there's there are certain surgeries that I think can, are a little bit more um, of a, a guarantee, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, you know, more times than not. Exactly. This, this always helps. And that's good to hear, and that, <laughs> right. right. Um, and that's not just, we never wanna do surgery, doesn't help, but the yeah. reality is, sometimes when there's an emergent situation, Nothing's going to get back to the right. way it was, right? It's never going to be perfect. But there are situations when, like, let's say, for example, an inguinal hernia, a groin hernia. A groin hernia is what we kind of say is bread and butter. Mm-hmm. This is straightforward. This is the type of thing that, you know, when you do this, 99 times out of 100, this person is going to be satisfied, their hernia is going to be gone, and their life is going to be better. And so that's the type of surgery that I love. I just love, oh, I love surgeries right. where you're saying, OK, this is, this is pretty much. We know the problem, we know the answer, we apply the solution, and you're better.
0: So that will lead perfectly into kind of what the focus of this is then, uh, is is varicose veins. Yeah. It's kind of something that we're talking with you a little bit about today. Is that is that one of these types of procedures that can be, don't worry about it, we got you? It, it, really, it really is.
1: And so this is, you know, when we talk about surgery, right, I think everyone hears surgery and they think, well, oh, I had a grandpa's cur, his colon burst, right? Mm-hmm. Or they had a terrible cancer, right? Those are the tough situations. Those yeah. are the ones that don't necessarily equate to you coming in and going home the same day, right? Yep. Varicose veins, um, they're very common, right? We're talking probably 30, 40% of the population, once you get to your middle age, has sure. some symptoms of what we'll call generically venous reflux not just necessarily the veins you see that we all have seen right bulging yep dilated tortuous like, veins like but some of those runners or bikers sometimes right. they get those big bulging, right right uh, that's what that's 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 kind of one one end result of venous reflux but venous reflux venous incompetence where the veins just aren't working as well as they once did um that can result in lots of symptoms, right? Whether that's swelling, leg heaviness, cramping, um, restless legs at night, kind of staining of the skin, what we call hemosiderin
0: deposit, wounds, ulcers that won't heal. And, and so... Um, Do those all fall under the varicose vein definition, kind of what they, you're they describing? They fall under venous insufficiency. Okay, They fall
1: it. under, basically, your veins aren't working the way that they should. They're not helping blood get back to your heart the way... Right. Ideally, they would be. Right, And so blood's kind of pooling under higher pressure in your legs for longer periods of time instead of pumping out in a con- nice, consistent rate. Okay. Yeah. Um, but in that, when you have those problems, right, these aren't life-threatening problems for the very, very overwhelming majority of people, but they're extremely um, impactful in, in people's lives, right? People that stand at work for 10, 12 hours at a time. Yeah. It makes life hard to deal with these symptoms. And so the fact that there, there is potentially uh, an answer or a solution to, re- uh, to resolve those problems for people is, is great and that's why I like it.
0: Okay, um, now I, I understand that with varicose veins, uh, well really quickly, yeah. specifically what is a varicose vein? Yeah, so a, a varicose vein is a dilated or
1: stretched out vein that has become prominent. Right. And so if you think about your veins like a tube, right, these veins have valves, little check valves in them. And so blood can pump up out of your leg, up against gravity. And then in a nice healthy vein, between the beating of your heart, when blood isn't moving, it won't fall back against gravity. Okay. Right. And your your vein, your vein works to kind of stepwise advance the blood up towards the heart. But if that vein becomes stretched or dilated, well, now all of a sudden that blood moves in a more turbulent way. It goes up, it goes down, it, it doesn't just march in one direction. And the m- longer that happens, the more the vein can stretch. If it stretches enough, well, then you can see it. And then that's what we're seeing is how it's a, the varicosity is that dilated Protuberant vein. So, does
0: every vein in your body have that? Is, is it all work, they all work the same way in essence? They, yep, essentially they're all, it's, if you think about it, kind of like the roots of
1: a tree, right? The roots of a tree, they're collecting all this water and it's bringing up to the central trunk. And our body has these kind of truncal areas where all the veins meet. So, coming up out of your leg, all the veins either come out of what we call a superficial system, those are the ones you might be able to see underneath your skin, and there's a deep system that run kind of more down by your bone and underneath your muscle, but one way or another, all that blood is coming up right into the groin crease there, and into what we call the the femoral vein, Um, and that's how the blood gets out of your leg, and so it's, it's, it's a system that's working together to find a path for blood to get out of tissues, and that's And that's, you know, one of the things that allows us to do these treatments. I think we'll talk more about that. But by having redundancy or different pathways blood can take, it allows us to eliminate a pathway that may be causing you symptoms without causing any detriment to you.
0: Boy, you know, our bodies are weird and amazing all at the same time. Um, So um, I think heredity plays a lot with varicose
1: veins, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, there's no varicose vein gene, so to speak. But there's no question that you know, people that would say, oh, my grandma had terrible veins. My mom had terrible veins and I have terrible veins because it is a question of your connective tissues, right? Your veins are made up of tissue and some people's tissues are robust and they never have a, you know, have them kind of stretch out and become incompetent. Other people's for whatever reason, you know, they're 25 years old and they've got huge veins. And, And then there's also parts of life that are make you more prone to it, right? Pregnancy can kind of be a precipitating factor. People's what we generally call lifestyle, right? If you stand on a concrete floor for 12 hours at a factory every day for 30 years, that can put a lot of sure. a lot of strain on your on your venous system. So it's that combination of hereditary kind of predisposition, but also lifestyle factors.
0: So a, a lot of people that have varicose veins and people if you're familiar with them, you know you know that sometimes they just they look unsightly., yep. sometimes. Yep. Um, but is there, is, is there ever a medical reason to treat them?
1: Absolutely, is there? And ac- and actually, that's that's really the one of the most important differentiations when it comes to venous insufficiency and varicose vein treatments, um, because as as a medical provider, we're always at this interface between you know what can we do to help you, and what. Would let's say your insurance company be yeah, willing to there pay we it go. for right, um, and so insurance companies don't love to pay for cosmetic things if, mm-hmm. if the only truly only thing that's bothering you is I don't like the way this looks right right and so sure well we all know that we all yep. have varicose veins that aren't um, what we want in terms of appearance but in terms of medical symptoms yeah you, you can have swelling you can have bleeding you can have your veins become clotted and um, inflamed because of the the blood staying stagnant and irritating the the veins. Um, Like I said, ulcers can develop, and just pain, right, just symptoms of discomfort that don't resolve despite your best non-invasive treatment options. So people can often have... Uh, resolution of symptoms if they just wear compression stockings, right? Mm-hmm. But compression stockings, which just kind of augment yep. the veins in, instead of that vein being dilated and those valves not working, now it kind of compresses them, and now maybe the vein, the valves work a little bit better so you don't have the same symptoms, but you have to wear them, right? right? And maybe maybe wearing them causes you other symptoms, <laughs> like it wears on your skin or yeah. cuts into you. They're or, not comfortable they're not in a comfortable. lot of instances, right? Yeah, they're not comfortable. So it's, it's one of those fine balances between, you know, what – what can we do that's non-invasive that you can tolerate and manage for a long period? But if those if those non-invasive therapies aren't helping, well, then yes, we have good reason to recommend can, more advanced
0: therapy. Can they be dangerous? Very v- varicose veins.
1: Yes. So it, very 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 rarely can okay. they be life-threateningly dangerous. Uh, yeah, you you could end up in pain. You can end up with a wound infection. Um, In the very rarest of cases, sure, you could have a a thrombosis or a DVT. Generally, in your superficial veins, if you were to have a clot in the superficial veins right underneath your skin, that isn't going to necessarily become a deeper uh, Mm -hmm. problem. But yeah, you can have a DVT, um, but those are rare. Those okay. are very rare things.
0: So when you go in, how does how does the procedures work then to to fix that? So yeah. when they when they come into you and they're ready to go, what what do you do?
1: Yeah, so there's there's kind of three main th- therapies that would be applied. Um, I'll, I'll start by saying it's one of the things that's frustrating for patients is it's not often come in to see me. Come back the next day to get fixed. There is quite right. a bit of a process involved with diagnosing, you know, really clarifying where in your venous system reflux exists. Um, understanding if maybe you could improve with non-invasive mm-hmm. therapies, and if you could, um, maybe that w- you wouldn't qualify for uh, right, uh, a, 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 a surgical option. So. Let's assume we've kind of gotten past that threshold, which unfortunately can be measured in months sometimes before we can really get to um, a point where everything, all the ducks are in a row and we're saying, here, we're doing Mm -hmm. this. Um, But there's, at the most basic level, there's something called sclerotherapy where we're injecting a sclerosin or basically a a chemical that irritates the vein enough to where it basically clots itself and stops Mm -hmm. working, right? if you think about veins is if you can stop the blood from flowing through the veins, then the vein isn't there, right? If you think right. about it like I that. Right, I suppose, yeah. Um, and so the blood will find another way. And so sclerotherapy is an injection of a, a sclerosant or this detergent that is usually foamed and placed into very small veins, causes those veins to basically scar closed and then blood can't flow through them. So in a small vein that's right underneath the skin, what we might call a spider vein or a telangiectasia, um, those might then not be visible anymore, okay. right? And so if that area is not visible, isn't tender anymore, isn't bleeding anymore, then that's, that's resolved. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the simplest. And then um, in some cases, people maybe have already had kind of more of a, um, a systemic treatment that I'll talk about next and maybe they don't have the options um, for a, a kind of a more central systemic treatment and we may just apply what we'd call A phlebectomy and say okay well we're just gonna we're just gonna cut out this one offending vein and it's a small surgery where you're just talking about a small incision just on on the skin just to basically get down to the vein and pull up that small portion that's causing trouble but after those two and the the therapy that is more of a a systemic treatment is this idea of ablation or, or or basically closing the vein and so what, what I do is what's called radiofrequency ablation. There's different ways to get veins to close or not have blood flow through them. I do RFA, or radiofrequency ablation. There's laser ablation. There's basically uh, uh, glue that can be used to fill the veins. I don't perform that myself. Okay. But th- these are all accomplishing the same goal, and that is deleting this pathway for blood to take, right? Right. So if you look back 20, 30 years ago, and you, you probably had somebody that said, oh, I had— My vein stripped. Yeah, they had. They basically had their entire, uh, an entire portion of their superficial venous system. What, let's say, for example, the greater saphenous vein, just pulled out. Right, and so this is where you hear stories of like, oh, this really hurt. I bruised terribly. Worst surgery I've ever had. (laughs) Right. Very, very few people, if anybody, do that anymore. Okay. Because the alternatives, which accomplish the same um, clinical endpoint are so much better tolerated. Right.
0: Exactly. Right.
1: And so that RFA, what what it's doing is we're taking, okay, we we know the offending vein. This vein is too big. There's reflux. The blood's not flowing in the right direction. We think it's the source of all of the other cascades that kind of come from that, the dilated varicosities, the swelling, all these things. So we're going to place this catheter into the vein under ultrasound guidance. We're going to kind of bathe the vein in some cooling and anesthetic or kind of pain-numbing solution. And then we're going to basically heat that little catheter up, the little wire, and it's going to burn the vein, irritate the vein enough to where then, when given some compression in time, the vein, scars closed. It it doesn't allow for blood to pass through it anymore. And by doing that, that system, that pathway is deleted, and now blood has to go a different way. And so... um, Preferentially avoiding the areas that are causing you symptoms.
0: Right. Oh, that's that's amazing. I'm I'm just I, I get so fascinated by the technology that can be used yeah. in so much of this stuff anymore. So how how do pe- how can people is there is it can can it be is it preventative? Can you can you prevent these generally? I mean, if if yeah. if you're predisposed, you're predisposed. Yeah. Right. So
1: that's that's one of the the kind of I'd say threshold issues with. Uh, um, um, being eligible okay. for this, you, you really need to have the problem. I wish I could say that there's a way that w- these therapies I just described—they're applied when you have the problem. Got it. So the the prevention would come from okay, well, you know, I'm going to wear compression stockings. Let's call it prophylactically, right? I'm going to okay. do this in advance. Right? I, my right. mom had these. I'm working a job where I'm on my feet all the time, so I'm going to I'm going to wear compression stockings even though I don't have. And bear- that can work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It certainly can
0: it certainly can slow the sure. progression. Absolutely. Oh that's excellent. Yep. Uh, well this has been this has been a great conversation, Doctor. Good. I I love I love finding out these things that are so common that people have, but they have all these questions about, and they, you know, without going to a doctor, they don't get the answers. Right now, you've you've answered so many of them. Right now, good. So I really appreciate it, and I do hope uh, I I, I think uh, down the road here we're going to get to talk with you again. Yeah. Uh, So I'm super excited for that, and I'm glad to have you on the show. One last quick question: Are you a Bears fan, Doctor? Oh man, you just this is (laughs) you. You brought up
1: you brought up football. I Um, I had to because of where you're from. So I spent, you know, my early years in Chicago, my training and years went in the, Wisconsin. Yeah, I know. That's the, so mm. my mom actually grew up a, a Green Bay fan. Okay. She, you know, she's the stockholder on the back of the, right. you know, the, the right. basement yep. wall. Yep. She's got her single piece, <laughs> uh, single stock. That's um, great. Issued. So um, I, I really don't follow either of them closely. But if, if I were pressed, I'd probably say I'd rather watch Green
0: Bay win than, <sighs> than the Bears. See, now I'm a Vikings fan, and you just, you just hurt me both ways. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, Dr. Nicholas uh, Chesneka from Spearfish, uh, general surgeon up there with Monty Manil. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. Talk Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.